of God's Word, 2 Thessalonians chapter 2. One other quick announcement, it won't take but just a moment, but those of you guys, if you will, with good backs, those of you that aren't hurt, at the end of service, we're going to need you to help us lift these little squares and put them on the stage, and we'll have somebody here to help you figure out uh, where they go, but they each weigh about 2,000 pounds, no big deal. I'll be pointing for y'all which way to get those 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, beginning with verse 7, part 4 in our series on living in the truth. For the mystery of iniquity does already work. Only he who now restraineth will continue to restrain until they be taken out of the way. And then shall that wicked one be revealed, whom the Lord shall consume with the spirit of his mouth and destroy with the brightness of his coming. Even him whose coming is after the working of Satan with all power and signs and lying wonders. And with all deceivableness of unrighteousness in them that perish. Why? Because they receive not the love of the truth that they might be saved. And for this cause, God will send them strong delusion that they would believe a lie. That they all might be damned who believed not the truth, but had pleasure in unrighteousness. But we're bound to give thanks always to God for you, brethren, beloved of the Lord. Because God from the beginning has chosen you to salvation through sanctification of the spirit and belief of the truth. Whereunto he called you by our gospel to the obtaining of the glory of our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, brethren, stand fast and hold the traditions, the truth which you've been taught, whether by word or by epistle. Before you're seated this morning, you need to understand that this is one of the last day battlegrounds uh, before the return of our Lord, which is any moment. I, I know some of you say, oh, my grandfather used to say that. My dad said that. You say that all the time. But it's true. We're at the door, the very door of the return of the Lord Jesus. And what you'll find in the church is a winnowing, a separation, not by will, but by belief. There are many that come under the umbrella of the word and name of Jesus, but it's a different Jesus. And the dividing line is going to be not those that name Christ or those that go to church, but those that love the truth, the truth about the world, the truth about mankind. I heard, uh, no offense, I just heard, heard Joel Osteen the other day on TV say that, you know, 99.9% of the people I know, we're not bad people. We've just made some bad choices. But the Bible tells us that our heart is deceitfully wicked above all things. Who can know it? That all of us like sheep have gone astray and we turn everyone to his own wicked way. Our heart is darkened and black. And we need to know the truth about our depravity. How else would I cry out for a savior if I didn't need one? Okay, we need to know the truth about the world and where it's going and what's happening. We need to know the truth about how God views sin. Well, you know, the Lord loves us all. The Bible said he's angry with the wicked every day. And for those in the church, he said, for this reason, did the wrath of God fall upon children of disobedience? We need to know the truth. And it's the words of God, not the name of God that brings hatred. Because they all name God. And in this last day, it's imperative for us that we know the truth. Jesus said, I am the way. I'm it. I'm the truth and his words. So that we can be secure. And when storms come and opposition comes, our compass works. you got to have a true north for the compass to work. Jesus said in his word, John 17, 17, sanctify them through thy truth. Thy word is truth. And as we continue this series, I want you just to pray for me as I pray for you, that we would see, God, that our eyes would open, 
we would see you clearly and see ourselves clearly, that we wouldn't be confused, that we would understand that all of the media is governed by the wicked one, Lord, and it's trying to distract us. It's trying to reconfigure our priorities. It's trying to make up, down, and down, up, and black, white, and white, black, so that no one knows. But we know, Lord, we want to know the truth about ourselves. We want to know the truth about your coming, these last hours, so that we would not be ashamed or surprised at anything that comes. And I'm asking for that anointing this morning, Lord. Use me in my physical weakness to bring glory to your name through the preached word. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. The truth is exclusive, never changes. It can be difficult. It's rare. It's revealing. It never apologizes. It can be shocking. It is always pure. When you see it for yourself, it can be blinding. It never waxes old. It's absolute. It's powerful. It's non-negotiable. And it never compromises. Truth is unmistakable and it's precious. It is critical to the life of the believer. When I walk with truth, I am walking with Jesus Christ. And when I walk with Jesus Christ, I am walking with truth. Unbelievers, some come to church for a while and start changing their life to try to be saved. And that can't save them, but it can introduce them to the truth. When they see Christ, when they see Christ's word and in his word, we understand our own wickedness. And we understand that the torture that was given to Jesus on the cross was reflective of our sins. Because once he became sin, the wrath of God fell upon him. And we see that he just didn't die this brutal death for some liturgical reason. But he became us. And that's how God viewed us. And now that's what stirs our worship, that he would endure such wrath so that we could be forgiven. We need to know, we need to know these things. And I've shared with you uh, over the previous couple of weeks, and if you missed them, you can go online or get the CD. God wants us to know the truth, to believe the truth. He wants us to submit to the truth. He wants us to live and embody the truth. And he wants us to unashamedly stand with and contend for the truth. The truth about mankind, the truth about Jesus Christ, his exclusiveness, his sufficiency, his indwelling, his empowering, his faithfulness. The truth about the world. If you love the world, you're the enemy of God. Well, I love the world and I'm not an enemy of God. Well, one of you is lying. And being that God doesn't lie, that leaves you. How readest thou? If you love the world, we're the enemy of God. Because the world rejects, resists, and hates God. And that's why you see this mystery of iniquity that's already at work preparing the world for globalism. See, globalism is our term. That we use. But the Bible speaks of a, of a one world religion. A one world government. A one world monetary system. We thought up globalism. And America is one of the last bastions of, of, of nationalism. Now hear me. Nationalism doesn't mean it's godly. You can be an ungodly nationalist. But the spear of the world. 
pushing towards the one world, no boundaries, no barriers, has nothing to do with the United States or the nation. It's the kingdom of darkness that's contrary to God's plan and systems so that it can usher in the one world voice, the one world government, and the one world monetary system. So being a nationalist doesn't make our president or us a godly man. But it, is, it does mean that the, those that stand against this one world movement towards all of us are God's children. There are no walls. There are no barriers. We're all the same. Everybody share everything. Whoever opposes that, godly or ungodly, will receive the wrath of this world. You follow me? Okay. Number five today. God wants us not only to know the truth, but to know what the truth produces and what follows it in your life. Those who live and submit to and proclaim the truth will increase in the knowledge of the truth. In Matthew chapter 13, just write that down in your notes, is the parable of the sower. And it speaks about the seed of the word of God, the word of God itself, truth, falling upon stony ground, falling upon ground with thorns. The stony ground didn't have, there's a lot of rocks and the, the, the roots can't get down deep. And it just, when the sun comes up, it withers, dies. And that in the thorny ground, it has much earth, but the, the, the thorns and the roots of the thorns choke it out and choke the word of God out. And then it speaks of the good ground that brings forth 30 and 60 and 100 fold. He wants you to know that the more truth you allow to reign in your life, which means if I read something and it applies to me, I bow my knee to it. If I read something about relationships, then I bow my knee to it and I write the letter. I go to the person. I try to make it right as much as possible with me. When I read about esteeming others as more important than myself, and I bow my knee and I deny myself and esteem others, the Bible says, following that parable of the sower, it said, him that hath, more will be given him. So the one that has knowledge, the one that has understanding, God says, I'll give you more. You need to understand that when you accept the truth, truth grows inside of you. God sends a greater understanding, more capacity, greater revelation. You grow up into him who is the fullness of all things, even Christ Jesus. And it's not through effort, it's through distribution. I bow, God gives more understanding, more wisdom, more clarity. You see, I just see other believers and they, they seem to be more confident, more clear. It's because they kneel more. God says that I bow my knee, I bend my will. And although my flesh can't stand it, I agree with God. More clarity, more understanding flows to those who receive. Some 30, some 60, and some 100 fold. Letter B. Those who live in and submit to and unashamedly proclaim the truth will have an increased sensitivity to God, his word, and his spirit. This issue of conviction for all of us. Uh, you have in the church today people living together, uh, shacked up in same-sex relationships and adultery, fornication, put it all together. And they say, well, you know, I'm okay with it. God and I are good. I have quiet time and I, I feel his presence. No, you feel a presence. You don't feel his presence. 
Because the truth gives you a heightened sensitivity to his pleasure and displeasure. It gives you a heightened sensitivity of guilt and uh, remorse and conviction. When someone can sin against the spirit, knowingly or unknowingly, and tell me, well, I'm not convicted about sleeping around. I care for this person. It lets me know that there is no submission to truth because if the light in you is light, how great is that light? And if our light in us be darkness, how great is that darkness? It's not that one is a better person than the other because all of us are unrighteous in ourselves. But it's the truth that gives you a heightened sensitivity that says, I grieve the Lord. That grieved the Lord. Even if you don't know that it was sin, but we who have been in church, we know these things. I had a believer tell me not too long ago, it was something that they practiced in their house when they raised their kids. They said, uh, we just didn't allow any of that in our house at all. And I was over at their house with my kids and everybody there. Uh, and y'all, I'm not preaching soapbox. I'm just telling you of their conviction. Everybody there was drinking, except us. Now, they would not allow it in their house. Wouldn't allow it in their house. I didn't say drink it. Wouldn't allow it in their house for all these years. But then we got there. And this time, you know, everybody there except me, Kelly, and our three kids were drinking. Now, no one was drunk. No one was beating each other up or playing beer pong, none of that stuff, you know. But I had a talk with him afterwards, and I said, what changed? He said, well, I'm, I'm in a different place now. And I said to myself when I got in the car, yes, you are. And if that story made you mad, you're probably in a different place. The role for the believer is not what is wrong with something. It is what is right with something. And that's, narrow, that's just narrow. My sentiments exactly. Like my flesh wants to hear me preach this. It's not a night goes by. The older you get, it's the way I hurt, I'm thinking, just one cold beer would make loosen up a couple of your joints or something. You know what I'm saying? Uh, it's just, I, I, it's just, I'm just not convicted of that anymore. I believe you. But how is it that others are convicted of moral and immoral things? Now, this story is not about drinking a glass of wine once a year with your wife. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about, does the Holy Spirit change? Do we, how, how can, you know, those of us that have been saved for 20, 30 years, the things you see now in the body of Christ, you never saw never and if you did you knew not to come back all those church people are judgmental yeah all of them would have got you coming in if there'd have been a facebook back then lord they'd come to your house knock on the door don't even mention his name don't say his name around me because ain't no way you know him living like hell don't even say well we've changed we've progressed. No, we backslid. Can I give you a biblical example? Simon Peter, Jesus told him when Simon said, if everybody leaves you and quits you, I will never. He said, yeah, before the rooster crows, you'll deny me three times. He said, ain't going to happen. I'm the rock. I'm I'm with you. So (coughs) the situation changed. Jesus was abducted and Simon is warming his hand at the world's fire, by the way, a fire the world created, finding comfort and solace with the people of the world that hated Jesus. And they said, I know who you are. You're the Galilean. No, no, no. I don't know Jesus. Three times 
thou art him. I saw you. And he cussed. And he said, I don't know the man. And he heard the rooster crow. He remembered, listen, the words of Jesus. He remembered the words of Jesus and acknowledged their truth. He said, I would deny him three times. And when he realized that he had sinned against the truth, the Bible said he went out and wept bitterly. The difference between people that love the truth and those that do not love the truth is not that we are better. It's that we repent better. We call it what it is. We weep and we wail because we know that if we lose that sensitivity, we are capable of anything. Can't go there. All these other, you know, and this goes without saying, you know, 10 Christians invite you to go do something and you can't go. And they're like, oh, come on. And without saying, it's like, we're all Christians. Come on. And you're thinking to yourself, how can you go? So that makes me a Pharisee because aren't we guilty in other things that they might, you know, so it's not a better than it's this pay attention to your conscience that the Holy Spirit resides in. Keep it sensitive. Better to live alone than live with a bruised conscience. Hardened conscience. Can't watch that. Can't listen to that. Can't go there. In this last hour, you'll find Some that name his name that pride themselves in works. And we are to work. We are to work for the Lord Jesus. But better to pride yourself for a sensitive heart. How quickly do you kneel? When the Lord says that. um, It's embarrassing to humble yourself in the moment and say, I shouldn't have said that. I shouldn't have listened to that. Daddy was wrong. Mama was wrong. They say, well, does God specifically say you can't do it? No, but I have his spirit in me. And I knew when I grieved him. I knew when I did. People who love the truth not only have a sensitive spirit, but they fight to keep it. Well, I'm glad I'm not convicted with all of that. Are you? The worst thing that God can ever do to a believer is turn you over to yourself. Turn you over to your own figuring out what's right or wrong. Simon wept bitterly. You remember that other guy that went into the temple? One guy come in, shoulder squared, and he said, I thank thee that I am not as other men are. I give a tenth of my money. I do good works. I'm righteous. I'm faithful to the temple. And another man came in and beat his chest. Beat, beat his chest and wailed and said, be merciful to me, O God. I am a sinner. And Jesus said, who do you think left justified? Now here's our fear. Who wants to go around beating yourself in the chest all the time? It's not all the time. It's at key times. It's when conviction is there and we know we've betrayed him, small or large. We know we've walked away from the truth and we want to stop that slide. And we come in and we make deep repentance so that we can be restored to a heart of sensitivity. Jesus said, who do you think left justified? One of them came to church. The other is the church. The church of Jesus Christ. The one where God rules and reigns in the heart. Let her see.
These people will carry a constant burden and heaviness for the condition of the world, loved ones, and the church. Ecclesiastes 1.18 says, For in much wisdom is great grief, and he that increases knowledge increases sorrow. This one's hard for me because I am an upbeat person. I really am. I, I like life. I like to laugh. I like to cut up. I like to have fun. I don't like sour people. How are you? Well, I'm like, oh, God. I just, no, don't, you know, they come in and, you know, how's your week been? I've had better. I, I don't, I don't want to be that person. But the Bible says with wisdom and knowledge is a great heaviness and great sorrow. We see the condition of the world. And it weighs on us. We see the condition of the church and it weighs on us. We see our own condition and it weighs on us. The burden is a weight that Christians who love the truth will carry. There's no way around it. Because it uses the burden for you to reach out to others. Because you feel their lostness. You feel their brokenness. You feel their bondage. You feel your own. And a carefree Christian, I'm good, you're good, everybody's good. Praise the Lord, hallelujah. Well, who's carrying the burden? The Holy Spirit in the life of the church. That's why the church must be taken out for the world to completely spiral out of control because the church is in the way saying not today and not on my shift, not in my home and not with my friends. The restrainer has to be taken out of the way for this evil to take over. These people will have broader and deeper convictions Broader and deeper convictions. It's like Joseph that said when Potiphar's wife kept coming on to him and he was second in the kingdom. Potiphar had kept nothing from him uh, but his wife. That was it. And she kept saying, lie with me. My husband's not here. Lay with me. I won't tell him. He said, how could I do this thing against God? Boy, when I came into this revelation uh, in the last year or so, it took me a while to recover because I saw that my choice, when I choose to sin with the lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh, or pride of life, that I was rejecting the person. When I chose the sin, I rejected the person. Because I wasn't just sinning against the knowledge of the truth. Christ is the truth. And it grieved me when I saw that I could, I would see his words as different than his person. See, it's easier to sin against a list than it is a Lord. It's easier to sin against a list than a Lord. And Joseph said, how could I do this thing against God? How, how, how could I do this against the Lord himself? Those who follow the truth and love the truth will be drawn to, have respect for, and deep connection with others who esteem the truth. Second Peter 1, the Bible tells us this. Simon wrote, Great, grace and peace be multiplied to you through the knowledge of God. Gr- peace, grace and peace multiplies to you through the knowledge of God. And Jesus our Lord, according as his divine power has given unto us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him that's called us to glory and virtue, whereby he's given us exceeding great and precious promises, that by these we might be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption of the world through lust. You will find, to the chagrin of many 
believers. That you are drawn and have a more intimate connection with others of like faith than you do your own flesh and blood. I love my family. I love my siblings. I love all of them. But the closest people in my life are those of like precious faith. Where I can mention his name and their eyes glisten. We had fellowship with Jeremiah and his precious wife the other night. And we've known them for a while. We don't get together. I think we've been together twice in the, since they've been coming to church years ago. But it always would get back to the Lord. And Jeremiah would sit there and he'd say, you know, I just, I just love him. I just love, and there's something in that you're, you're drawn to, you connect with, and you esteem. You're like, we have something together that's more real than this earth. When you get to heaven, you won't be talking about Uncle Bubba and them. The bride, the family, and of like faith means we have the same weights. We have the same burdens. We have the same desires. We have the same struggles. Our struggle is not to obtain more and be more. Our our struggles is not to get everything near perfect. It's to get everything near Jesus. That's the struggle. Like faith. I like talking to people that when you talk about heaven, they go, don't talk about that. It makes me nervous. Wait a minute. Talking about heaven makes you know, yeah, I got some things I want to do here. Now, I do remember being 20 when they talking about Jesus could come any moment. I said, not yet, Lord. You had a couple things to do. But like precious faith, if you've got two friends in your life like that, hold them close. Because they can pour in oil and wine in the hours when you need it most. Those that love the truth will live more isolated and lonelier lives than those who are carnal. See, Christians on and Facebook is just a, I don't know what exactly. what I, I've, I've cut it off several times, but I have most of the, nobody calls. Nobody uses emails. They go, did you get my message? When? I Facebooked you. What if I didn't turn on Facebook? Oh, but you get to see, you get to, some of y'all need to, Tighten up Facebook before Christmas because Santa, if he reads Facebook, <laughs> dear Lord, if Jesus reads it, I'll, I'll tell you what I'm talking about. Um, someone has a baby out of wedlock. Okay, Don't beat the girl up. No, none of us. God doesn't get any glory about you, you know, exposing all the sin. But you'll let people come on Facebook, praise the Lord. And you go, well, no, there's grace for that. But that was sin. That, you know, I saw where two girls married one another. and All these Christians, oh, you look beautiful. I was so happy for you. I'm going, wait, have you lost your mind? You are an esteemed voice in their life. And you're encouraging them to destruction. Now, I'm not, I'm not jumping on those people any more than I am someone that would live immorally outside of marriage and, and have uh, a sleeping partner outside of marriage, fr- friend with benefits or whatever they call it now. I can't even keep up with the levels of it. But it's like, if you, li- if you live by the truth, you're going to be lonelier than the carnal person. You're going you're gonna to tip out, you go to this wedding, you go, I can't stay at this wedding. And then I, don't even get me started on after the wedding. Say, where'd Pastor go? He's gone. I don't want to be there when lightning hits. 
my little lightning rod up. And then going to come to church Sunday. All that thrills my soul is Jesus. Anyway, let me just move, moving right along. Those who love the truth will be misunderstood, challenged, maligned, mocked, persecuted, and hated by the world. I was talking about the different weddings and stuff, and you need to understand that although I don't do that, I'm guilty of far worse. So it's not being better than someone else. There's no height of judgment. But you understand this. When you work out your salvation in fear and trembling, you're going to be misunderstood, maligned, mocked, and opposed. Because if you are working out your salvation, that stands to the other person who's not. What are you doing? When they see you changing, bending, uh, bowing, consecrating, separating, sanctifying. Luke 6 says, Blessed are you when men shall hate you and separate you from their company and shall reproach you and cast out your name as evil for the Son of Man's sake. When is that done today? Now, I'm not talking about overseas, third world nations and China and the persecution church. When have you seen any other believers you know of being cast out, their name being cast out, being hated and despised? We intentionally and unintentionally teach the church that we're supposed to be the people on the corner handing out bottled water so everybody likes us. There's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing righteous with it either. I mean, you can... Do that anywhere. Where does the hatred come from? They go to church. We go to church. They sing songs. We sing songs. They know the name of Jesus. We know the name of Jesus. Where does the hate come in? When you stand for truth. That's when your name is thrown out. And that's when you're hated. Because the truth convicts and condemns. And if you have a generic Jesus that came 2,000 years ago and may come one day, but has no ruling sovereignty in my now, it's when you stand and say, he exists today. His truth, his word is truth today. He rules today. That's where the hatred comes in. These who stand for the truth are not immune to discouragement, doubting, or even depression. Knowing and living the truth is expensive. It's expensive relationally, financially, emotionally. Let me just back up. And without raising your hand, there are people in this room. It cost you financially to be a Christian because all you had to do was cut a corner and make that extra $20,000. All you had to do was withhold a little bit of information and make a sale. All you had to do was pad the books. And to live, listen, to live the truth is expensive. Friends will walk away. Opportunities will not be given you that are given to other people. We laugh about it, but it's not funny. We're the last ones to be invited to lunch and we eat a lunch by ourselves because no one won't say truther anywhere around. And, and it doesn't mean you have to be weird or overbearing. Just the fact that you aren't like them. There's a cost. It's expensive. As a matter of fact, the treasure hid in the field was so expensive that it cost everything for the man to purchase. But when you know what you have in Jesus... When you know what you have in eternity, you will give away these temporal relationships for an eternal abode. You will be rejected by people so that you can be accepted in the beloved. You'll be hated here so you can be celebrated there. When you know what you have, you'll pay the tab. When you know what you're getting is worth what you're paying, 
it's easy to make the decision. It's expensive mentally, temporally, pleasurably. Those who love the truth will constantly cycle between conviction, repentance, forgiveness, and restoration. Don't you ever get tired of repenting over the same stuff? Don't you, do anybody else besides me get tired of going to the person and say, oh, yeah, I need to ask your forgiveness. I lied to you. Say, so you do that? Yeah. Hey, I was wrong. I, I, I was wrong. Well, I ain't never heard one tell me, I ain't never heard you say that. This is just another slap in the face. Well, I still was wrong. And uh, to, to, to make yourself, to humble yourself in that way, there's a great cost there. And we constantly cycle. You don't ever get it right and stay right. Do you? I mean, I leave church and I go, I preach this morning. And then get to Burger King, you know, and they give you an extra fry and you don't say nothing. And then you have to go back up to the camp. Go back up with the empty fry thing. Oh, pastor, you don't. Yes. Yes, because I was hungry. <laughs> my children eat my fries. <laughs> I use an expired coupon. Oh, you did too. Limit two and you go in and get two and then take your hat off and go back in and get two more. Oh, you're a sinner too. Why the cycle? Because truth never changes. It never stops crying out from the streets. It is living and it continues to grow in you no matter how low it's been cut back. And because God has sent forth the truth into your heart and it will accomplish its perfect work because the word the Lord sends forth will bring about the fruit in your life. And no matter how many times you sin against it, he will rain conviction on it. So we who will love the truth will repent, be forgiven, be restored, fail, repent. Have you ever made this statement? You think by now I ought to be, well, I'm pushing 60 and I've been saying that about 30 years. So what's the difference, John? Do you ever just enter into absolute sanctification and you no longer are tempted? No, the difference is the older you get in the Lord and the more close you get to him, you kneel quicker. That's it. Do you still kneel as often? Yeah. I'd like to tell you no, but I'd also like to think that I kneel quicker, that I call quicker, that I fix it quicker. If our musician would come, please. And those who love the truth are never failed by it. I want you to listen to your pastor these last few minutes. Those who love the truth are never in the end ashamed. I hear people say that we're not ever, we're not ever shamed. Oh, yes, you are. Jesus was naked and bruised and John the Baptist was uh, imprisoned and uh, Paul and Silas were beaten and stripped naked. We suffer shame, but our life never ends in shame. We suffer loss, but we're never at a loss. We suffer, we suffer uh, mislabeling and the world casts its opinions. But those that love the truth shall never be ashamed. In the end, in the end when God judges the thoughts and deeds of men's hearts by the knowledge of God's word and by God's spirit, we who are believers and love the truth, we will shine like the stars in the heaven, the Bible says. 
You know what the gift of God is to those that love the truth? You will be stripped of the capacity to sin. Ronaldo, people like me and you, when we get home and we fought a good fight and we make it across the finish line only by grace. You do understand that. It's through, by grace, through faith, not of works, but what Christ did for us when we get home and when he makes all things new, he strips from us the possibility of sin. How can you say that? Because it says we will no longer go out of the temple of God. And if there was sin, we would go out of the temple. He would not have it before us. So the Christian who lives in shame or failure, shame, repentance, forgiveness, restoration, failure, shame, repentance, that cycle is broken in heaven. And we'll be like him. For we'll see him as he is. And every man that hath this hope purifieth himself even as he is pure. The truth saves us. Sanctifies us. It strengthens us. It keeps us. It liberates us. It transforms us. It renews us. He that dwelleth in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. And I will say of the Lord, He's my refuge, my fortress, my God. In Him I trust. He will deliver me from the snare of the fowler and from the noise and pestilence. He covers me with his feathers and under his wings shall you trust. His truth shall be your shield and buckler. And those that trust in him and that love the truth shall not be afraid of the terror by night, nor the arrow that flieth by day, nor the pestilence that walketh in darkness, nor the destruction that wasteth at noonday. A thousand fall at your side and 10,000 at your right hand, but it will not come nigh you. But with your eyes, you will see the reward of the wicked, the reward of the righteous and the reward of the wicked. His truth will be your answer. It'll be the answer for your failures and your successes. It'll be the answer for your, uh, your destination and the way in which you're traveling. It'll be the answer for the pace in which you travel and the things that you do without. It'll answer why you give certain things and withhold certain things. The truth will be your buckler in every situation. It gives us something to stand on, something to lean into, something to rest in and be encouraged by and depend upon. The truth cannot fail. The truth will not fail. The truth shall not fail and it'll never be diminished. Because Jesus Christ, the truth, is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And of his kingdom, there shall be no end. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Stand with me this morning. You can't be people of the Christ and not be people of the truth. Please listen. I'll be done in just a second. You cannot be people of the Christ and not be people of the truth. It's impossible because he is the truth. You cannot be people of the Christ and not be people of the truth. There's so many stages, so many stages. The recognition of the truth. Some recognize it and turn away. The appreciation for the truth. 
Some esteem it, whether they live it or not. They, they know it to be. They appreciate where it is. There are those that receive the truth. There are those that submit to the truth. Then there's those that love the truth. And I'm somewhere between submit and love. I'm like, how? How do you get to love the truth? A thousand little deaths. A thousand little deaths. But I want this church, whether we're ever known or unknown, whether ever we're big or bigger like we, I want this church to have such a reality with Jesus that it is in you. If you get dispersed, if I get dispersed, no matter what happens, you are good because you know the truth, what is truth, and it's loved in your soul. And it won't be torn from you. It won't be taken from us. And to him that hath, more will be given. They said, Jesus, tell us the sign of thy coming and of the end of the age. What? what tell us. And he said, be careful that no man deceive you. Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. You can't stray if you're in the truth. You can't fail if you're in the truth. You can't be withstood if you're in the truth. And heaven will be your home if you're in the truth. So Father, we stand before you today and we ask you to turn the lights on in our soul. Bring us deeper into you, Lord, your Son, through the knowledge of your word. Forgive us of our many failures and sins, especially for the ones we knew we were sinning and just looked the other way and acted like it was no different. Create within us, O Lord, a clean heart and renew a right spirit within us. Cast us not away from your presence, O God. Take not your Holy Spirit from us. May we go into this next year not looking to start momentum, but having momentum saying, I started 2019 with the word of God hid in my heart. The supreme seat, the final say, for the glory of your son, I pray. And church family, as you go out this week, the love of the truth is not a burden. Let it be easy. Just take it in. Kneel quick. Say, thank you, Lord, for loving me enough. Thank you, Lord. And watch what happens. Jesus said, when you know the truth, the truth will set you free. Great liberty have those that love thy law. Have a wonderful Lord's Day. God bless you today.